0: You are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Feminist. Experimental. Fierce. Formed in 2010 while the founding members attended Bowling Green State University, Quinn's Contemporary Vocal Ensemble is an all-female vocal quartet specializing in experimental repertoire for voices. Quince maintains a mission of fostering new vocal works by living composers, which has included commissioning over 60 new works for vocal ensemble. Comprised of musicians Amanda DeBoer-Bartlett, Kaylee Butcher, Liz Pierce, and Carrie Henneman-Shaw, Quince is an artist-run ensemble committed to commissioning, creating, performing, and educating about new and experimental vocal repertoire. I got to sit down with Liz Pierce and Kaylee Butcher, the director of Quince. The first question I have to get out of the way is, why the name Quince? I mean, is it is it after the fruit?
1: Uh, we say that now, yes, but <laughs> well, that's not entirely accurate.
0: <laughs> okay, so where where did the name come from?
2: There was once five of us in grad school. So oh, well, yeah, and, so starting okay, from the beginning, sense. yeah, we were five. Amanda and I founded the group. Amanda Debor Bartlett and I, um, and we were originally five. At one point, we talked about even being six, going crazy with it, um, but. No, it was five, and then there were a couple sort of rearrangements of people, and then Liz joined us like very, very early on. So she might as well be a founder. It wasn't really Quince until Liz joined. So Aww. and Carrie's yeah, the GV Cuties. It, we were the GV Cuties originally, the Graduate, the Graduate Vocal Quartet GV Cuties. Um, really embarrassing, but also hilarious. <laughs> Really funny. That's awesome. Um, And yeah, then we changed it to Quince. I think Amanda came up with the name originally, right, Liz? I think it was Amanda. She did. Yeah, okay, okay. And we've been called Quince ever since.
0: Quince! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. We've been introduced as Quince yeah. at least four times. Oh, That's true. man. We've thought about making an album cover in quinceanera dresses. But <laughs> probably
2: not a good idea. <laughs>
1: Kaylee always votes that down (laughs)
2: because none of us actually would celebrate a quinceañera that I know of. True. I mean, um, you could have had your double quinceañera this year. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Thank you for telling everyone how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's now out. It's now out. It's in the public. No, I don't care. (laughs) Um, yeah. So we were originally, we, when we sort of got, not got rid of, but when we were finally four members, um, we've decided we had this like brainstorming session, a lot of brainstorming, brainstorming sessions actually to like, try and think of a new name instead of quince. And we, you know, of course everyone's like, well, let's go with Quartz, And, there was just no way that that was, Shut like, up. I just, that was just
1: me. Kaylee is only making fun of me. <laughs> That's not true. I thought you were
2: doing it as a joke, Liz. No, no. Okay. Sorry. We weren't going to be courts. We just, it wasn't going to be a thing. It wasn't going to happen. It's nah, never going to happen. Not. Liz. What is it? Fetch is never going to happen. Fetch. Fetch is never going <laughs> to happen. Um, and so we couldn't think of anything better. Quince just like fits so well, so we stuck with it. And then we realized, yeah. you know, like that's not just short for you know quince or quinceanera or something. It's it's also a fruit. Um, and we thought that would be kind of cool from a branding perspective, like as a logo. I, I wish we had like a way right, more interesting yeah. story, but that was really that was really what happened. <laughs>
1: I mean, we found okay. out through trial and error that quinces are a pain in the butt fruit to deal with. That's true. Although yeah,
0: I was actually I was actually reading about them before we got on, and um, apparently, it, it there's there are a lot of ways to eat it badly.
2: Yes, yes, yes. You don't want to eat it raw, yeah.
0: and right because it's, it's apparently like really hard and really hard. Um, was it sour? Yeah, it's yeah. really,
2: really yeah. You have to boil it down to basically nothing. We we did an Indiegogo back in the day. I can't even remember what it was for. Liz, was it for the album or for... Our first album. Yeah. yeah. And so part of the... It was for the first album. Yeah. Part of the, like, if you donate, you get something. We thought it would be such a brilliant idea. Um, in, not in, <laughs> in retrospect, it was not. Um, to give out, like, Quince <laughs> Jam... As as a gift, <laughs> as like an incentive for people to donate, and um, we like quinces are in season two weeks out of a you know year. It's ridiculous, and so we couldn't oh, we couldn't find them anywhere. <laughs> we could not find them anywhere, and so finally, I asked my partner's mother <laughs> to find them because she weirdly had them in her town, or someone had them mailed to them in Indiana, and then she, thank goodness made the jam for us. It was like ridiculous though. We were so stressed out about it. It was never again. We're just going to buy it from the store from now on (laughs) or off Amazon or something. Membrio
1: paste for everyone.
2: Membrio paste for everyone. That's our motto.
0: I, I also, I also learned that the word marmalade actually comes from, uh, the actually comes from quince.
2: Oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm hmm. Wow. The
0: Portuguese word for that fruit is how the word marmalade like came to be. And you can make, you can use it to make wine and liquor.
1: Hey. Yes. Yes. I've seen this. It's like an Eastern European thing, I guess, to make like a quince brandy. Have you had it? I have not. So there's just something, it's called quince it's- brandy. We should totally
2: look into um, that. <laughs> I
1: think it's called something else. It's it's not unlike slivovitz, I guess. Okay, gotcha. In terms of like f- distilled fruit things, yeah.
2: Nice. Well, you've done your research, Rob. Nice one. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: uh, well, I I, I try, yeah. you know, I I try to be a good host. <laughs> anyway, can you? All right. So now that we got the name out of the way, let's let's talk about the the beginnings of of the ensemble. You know, you you you, you kind of touched on a a little bit, how did it all came about when, uh, when you were at BGSU, correct?
2: Right. Yeah. When me, Amanda and Liz were all at BGSU, Carrie, our fourth member joined us, what, two years after we all left grad school. Well, Liz is still in. (laughs) Liz is still ABD, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, (laughs) Uh, we all met in grad school in like 2010, 2009, 2010. Um, I came to BG in 2010. So yeah. So yeah, that was it. And Amanda and I just wanted to form a group that was doing something that was just with all women. Um, there were choirs definitely going on at Bowling Green and lots of opera things happening and solo recitals and all of those opportunities, church gigs, et cetera. But we wanted to just sing with women and, and do anything at that point. It wasn't necessarily just contemporary music. We were like, let's do Bartok. Let's do our own arrangements of stuff. Let's do new stuff. Let's just do it all. We wanted to do something. Um, and so we we got together, and it was originally five people, and then Liz joined us a little later, and our first big concert was in New York, right, Liz? Like, the yeah. Contagious Sound series. Vicky, Vicky Chow. Vicky Chow, yeah. Vicky Chow series, yeah. Vicky Chow series. And then after that, I mean, we just kind of stuck together. We prioritized it, rehearsed two, three times a week sometimes, um scheduled concerts, tried to sing on sort of vocal showcases that the, you know, the BGSU department was putting on. I mean, I had it on my recital, my, my senior recital, not my senior, my master's recital. Um, I think Amanda did too. I mean, we really just, we wanted to do it so badly. Um, not that there's not enough outlets there. There really are, I think at BGSU, but we just wanted to sing with other women all the time, <laughs> and so we we made it happen.
0: I mean, is there is there a huge repertoire for for um, for female quintet or quartet or sextet? Not other, really. I mean,
1: uh, the, yeah, th- yeah. There's a lot of repertoire for maybe like Renaissance, medieval there's a small body of repertoire for like the concerto della donna that existed hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but within the last hundred years, it hasn't really been in vogue for the women's, like a small chamber chorus. There's lots and lots of women's chorus music out there, especially if you dive into Eastern European traditions and other musics that aren't kind of in the Western art, classical academic music sphere. Um, and in terms of contemporary repertoire and music of living composers post world war 2 there's really not a lot out there especially for small ensemble and for this reason most of our repertoire is commissions
0: right yeah i was reading that that you've commissioned like over over 60 new works or something like that
2: yeah so far yeah so far yeah, and that includes, it's not just all quartets. It's duos, trios, quartets. Um, I think Liz even got a solo. Didn't Monty Weber write a solo for you?
1: Yeah, Chanting Atmosphere when we did our yeah. Columbia College Chicago residency a couple years ago. So, I got to sing a piece so, of Looping Puddle. It was sweet. It was sweet. I love <laughs>
2: that piece. I wish I could whistle just so I could do that piece. Um, yeah, So so 60 works to date. I mean, there are some standard contemporary pieces that do use four voices. I mean, there's Tehalim, there's um, Music for 18, obviously, uh, which we're doing soon.
0: Right, but those... And there's also... Right, I I saw that...
1: David Lang's Love Fail, which was written for Anonymous 4, that we are performing a lot in the next season. Right.
0: What is... uh, I, I don't know. What is Anonymous 4?
1: Ah, Anonymous 4 is a female quartet that's existed they were around for maybe like 20 something years, 25 years, maybe they just as an ensemble retired this last season, but their specialty was repertoire from the Renaissance, from the medieval period between them and trio medieval there, there are pieces being that were, have been written for these other professional ensembles, but what they do is not all contemporary music. They incorporate a lot of these earlier period repertoire. But, yeah.
0: So are you guys the only fe- all-female quartet or quintet mm-hmm. that is working in, in contemporary music right now?
1: No, no. I want to be. Well, no, I don't want to be. I, I'm very happy <laughs> that there are other ensembles and that it's a growing sort of chamber ensemble type. We're not as popular as the string quartet, but maybe someday... <laughs> um, there is a group led by Stephanie Aston in Los Angeles that I know of that has done a couple of shows in the last year or so. Um, and there are subsets in, uh, of other groups, like sometimes the women of ECMLS have sung together. I think, um, there's a new chamber ensemble variant six, but they are SATB mm-hmm. in and I think mm-hmm. the, the LA
2: group focuses mainly on, mainly on complexity or complexity-esque composers and pieces. Right. Whereas we sort of, well, at least try to kind of like do everything or tr- at least attempt to do everything. Um we do have a, a complexity piece that we just got a few weeks ago um that is extremely daunting Woo! but yeah we're taking a crack at the complexity for the first time at least i am for sure as a group um i think lorelei also is a group that does i mean they're they're eight people i think maybe sometimes even more um but they do do smaller mm-hmm. subsets as well um but I do think we're the only all-female vocal quartet in the U.S. that I'm aware of. I could very well be wrong. Um, that does, you know, a lot of different types of contemporary music. We do David Lang. We do, you know, we're trying this crack at complexity. Um, we do extended technique things. We do semi-improvisation things. Um, so I do like to think that we're one of a kind in maybe one way and that way.
0: Yeah, definitely, and actually, one of the you know one of the pieces that we're going to listen to, um, well, we're going to listen to four recordings, um, of uh uh four of your recordings, and one of those pieces I I was interested to see was actually Jacinto uh, Sh- Chelsea.
1: Ah, Jacinto uh, Chelsea. Yeah, we recorded all shells. Well, not all Chelsea. We recorded the Zhao liturgy back in January, for an upcoming release to be. Announced soon, indeed.
2: So we're hoping to get that released um, in February of next year. So that should be out pretty, knock on wood, pretty soon. But we did Woo-hoo. all of the Zhao liturgy. We we should look into other Zhao things. That I mean, they definitely, he has a lot of duets and solos and things like that that
1: I would love to do oh, yeah. more
2: of in life.
1: There's something about four women singing within the realm of a third in interesting timbral m- manipulations that really there's nothing as fun as that it's true it messes with your ears in such cool ways
0: listening to that was uh, a a very a very nice experience for me so uh-huh. i'm glad i'm glad we could i'm glad we could feature it on this Woo-hoo. i mean other th- other than that piece mm-hmm. though and the the pieces you mentioned by david lang and you know some of the other more uh established composers out there or older composers commissioning has been a big a big part of a way for you to develop a repertoire for yourselves and in commissioning all these new works you probably have undoubtedly had to educate composers on the on like the do's and don'ts of writing for you as an ensemble so can you talk about some of those some of those collaborations with composers and and some of the some of the do's and some of the don'ts well for female voice
1: yeah we we've sp- spent a lot of time in residencies in different colleges which i think is my favorite place to address this because it's in a lot of cases a place where these composers haven't worked with a singer or it's their first or second time working with a singer or maybe the first time working with somebody who's not their friend who's a singer or their own voice and it's it's a great time to get to talk about you know, both the generalities of this is what a female voice does in general. If you want to write a piece for somebody to buy from, you know, across the world or who doesn't know you specifically, or you don't know them, here are the sort of general rules. Um, What's really great is getting to, is when composers do ask us specifically, what does your voice like to do? And we've, I think over time we've developed a couple of sheets of, you know paragraphs for each of us of this is what my voice is like. This is what I do because you know we're a group of one mezzo soprano, Kaylee, and three sopranos. Wah, wah. But ah, uh, but the three <laughs> sopranos between Carrie Henneman Shaw, Amanda Deboard Bartlett, and me, we are very different animals in how our voices work. Amanda and Carrie have this amazing ability to sound like one another. I th- I think a couple months ago, they were in a hotel room listening to a recording from an ensemble. They're both in Doniente. And they couldn't figure out which one of the two of them was singing. And they argued about it. It was pretty great. But they they also, they still have different qualities and different things they like doing vocally. And between the two of them, it's very different from what I like to do. And I love getting to talk to composers about, here's what I like doing. Um, It's actually... A question I don't like getting as much as, what can't you do? What else can
2: (laughs) you do? Which we have gotten without naming any names. We have gotten that question before. (laughs) We sure have. (laughs) Just a little bizarre. Um,
1: Because it's, you know, like, I understand wanting to know the parameters of, well, I don't sing above this pitch unless I am being murdered. I don't think I sing that pitch. That doesn't happen. And... How I approach high notes is different from a different type of soprano. Uh, But I don't know. It's just a weird feeling to be asked, what can't you do? I'd much rather be asked, what can you do? And when composers approach us like that, we tell them many, many things.
0: Liz, what's like three things that that your voice likes to do?
1: Well, I like making the sort of... Of the four of us, I think I'm the one who likes making... some extended type techniques like slight multiphonics or overtone singing, which they're you call them extended techniques, but they're not really, they're just different stuff your voice can do. That isn't opera singing. Um, I right. also whistle, which we've been asked to do a lot. Overtone singing and whistling has have crept into more of our repertoire and it's neat. It's, I mean, Chelsea in a way is overtone singing with his use of, umlauts to kind of represent their uh, these manipulation of higher partials in the vocal tract sounds Um, right but i really like when someone wants me to sing loud and with vibrato because my voice likes singing loud and with vibrato when i open my mouth and make singing sounds that is what comes out um, I like getting to sing low, along with Kaylee, because I like pretending I'm a mezzo, because I love you so much, Kaylee. <laughs> an honorary um, mezzo. An honorary mezzo, yes. Um, so those are my three things. So I like singing low, mm-hmm. I like singing loud, and I like singing weird timbres.
0: And Kaylee, you said you cannot whistle, right?
1: I have been trying so hard.
2: <laughs> you guys, so she hard. She works so much. I try and whistle almost every day. I'm getting there. I'm really really getting there.
0: My wife can't whistle either.
2: It's so hard. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my weird lips or something. I I need I've been working <laughs> on it. <laughs> I've
1: been working I don't on it. You've never because... seen Kaylee. Her lips are very weird.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: just Because I've mutated. I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to I mean, my wife and I have been married for almost ten years, and I've been trying to teach her how to whistle, and it's it's gone nowhere. Like I, I, it it's so it'd be interesting to know how you're trying to learn how to whistle because I, like I can, but I can't teach it. Obviously, it's a lot of
2: watching. It's a lot of watching YouTube videos of people teaching you, and also staring in a mirror and watching my lips and thinking exactly about tongue placement and. Where the, my tongue is in relation to my teeth and my lips, and all of the, you know, breath support, all of those different things. But I seriously stare at myself in the mirror and try it. There are so many pieces <laughs> in this world that I would love to do, but I can't do because I can't whistle yet. So I'm working on it.
0: If someone, it'll if, happen. If someone made a, a movie about the four of you—that would be a montage. You standing oh, in front of, my god, in front of that a mirror brilliant. trying to whistle. You know,
1: as <laughs> yeah. long as she has one of those like sweat bands on her forehead, right? Totally. That
2: seriously might be the yeah. most boring montage ever, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but this is a comedy, so it, it would work. Yeah,
2: that's true. Yeah, there'd be like one of me sweating and like one of me crying, making progress. <laughs>
3: So,
0: so Kaylee, Kaylee, as a mezzo, what, what are, what are like three things that your voice likes to do?
2: My three things. Um, similar to Liz, I like singing loud and I like singing with vibrato. Um, one thing that I don't always get to do often, and I don't necessarily have a good reason for why is I like singing in my chest voice. Um, But honestly, a lot of composers haven't written a whole lot for chest voice, Um, I think, because the history of of new music, you know, female singers has always been sopranos. Um, So the new music mezzo is kind of a a rare thing, although it's it's becoming more of a thing, which I'm very happy about. Um, But I don't get to sing in chest voice as much as I would like. Um, So I like singing in chest voice. I like singing loud and with vibrato. Bring it on. (laughs)
0: <laughs> awesome. The caveat on, here
1: is a good portion of the time we are asked to sing without vibrato for one reason or another, and we right. all do, which is fine. And in, you know, we spent a long time learning that as a skill because it's in talking to composers, it's the most misunderstood sort of stylistic or skill element we have in that people think we just like adding vibrato because we're told to add vibrato to everything and that's stylistically appropriate for opera but it's something that voices just do when you use them for long periods of time. Not all right. voices. Not all most. voices. Yeah.
0: Well, and it it, and it's, happens. and it's really, and it's really about keeping, keeping your voice healthy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I mean, and there are unhealthy vibratos and there are great straight tones. So it's not uh it's not a, it's not always a symptom of a healthy voice or an unhealthy voice to be singing with or without vibrato but singers aren't taught how most singers in colleges are not taught how to sing without vibrato. The goal in most colleges. It's a totally different technique, different
2: breath support.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's a lot of people learn it wrong. And so it hurts or it's a symptom of, for some of some sort of tension within the larynx or neck muscles that causes them to sing without vibrato. And it's looked at by teachers as a bad thing and, so and really cool big voices that, don't do
2: that really big voices like should never sing straight tone in my opinion I mean it always sounds like it hurts them so much to just because there's so much air involved well I mean like like Wagnerian sopranos
1: yeah but Stephanie Blythe did a Dido and Aeneas or was it that or was it um the it was the it was the Gluck Orfeo or shoot should she sing at straight it straight tone the Gluck She might have done some of it or sung with like less, not Wagnerian Stephanie Blythe. I just think that that would
2: feel so uncomfortable as a, as, you know, a ginormous voice in a room. I would just not want to do that. But maybe, yeah, I'll have to look that up. Because I don't have that big of a voice, but yeah, I know, right? We should ask someone.
1: Terrifying. It would be terrifying in the best way.
2: Yeah, but also I just wanted to say, going back to our the do's and don'ts that we were we were sort of discussing. Liz mentioned the Mm -hmm. voice sheets, and I will say, as far as don'ts go, as far as don'ts go. So I uh, this was I can't remember whose idea it was, but I I created these voice sheets with the pictures of us and information about you know things that we love to do and our ranges and clips links to things that we could um so composers could hear what we sound like on different solo tracks or zodiac different... sign zodiac signs yeah <laughs> favorite colors um those kinds of things um but so I made this sheet and I was so proud of it and I was like oh this is going to save so much time and really help the composers and you know very naive and then we we get all these commissions <laughs>
3: <laughs> we That's get all these great. commissions
2: and a lot of them only used the extreme parts of the register for all four voices, mostly for Amanda and Carrie, um, but for all voices, just sort of sitting all, you know,
1: above the staff and really high. Um,
2: oh,
0: man.
1: And I don't know. For the last couple of years, mine have been pretty great.
0: <laughs> well, I,
1: I usually there put a couple exceptions, but I think I lowballed it. And so. Yeah, exactly. Great for me. So I I
2: answered honestly for Carrie and Amanda and you know lowballed me and me and Liz I guess but uh, but essentially the result was not okay it was not good and it, it's not on the composers it's on me I think there's just something about seeing extreme registers on a sheet that makes someone think that it's okay to only use those notes, those pitches um, in a right. range. Like
1: ledger lines? We'll yeah. Give so Ooh, many that sounds lines. great.
2: But the problem mm. with that, there's no problem with writing for a voice that sits naturally high. Amanda and Carrie can sing those notes, but... It's extremely tiring to sing really high for long periods of time, even if your voice is sort of made for that. So it makes rehearsals really difficult. It makes, you know, tuning very, very difficult. Um, sort of blending is very difficult because the vowel modifies so much when you're singing so high. Um, so I have vowed that our voice sheets will never again include any information about our ranges. They have to ask <laughs>
3: They have to talk to you directly.
2: They have to ask us directly from now on. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that one the hard way.
1: I mean, something, uh, one sort of concept that has seemed to make sense to some folks writing for us has been, you know, think of the things above the staff as the hundred dollar notes or the thousand dollar notes, and you don't have an unlimited bank,
0: Right. As singers,
1: we don't have an unlimited number of times we can just do this over and over and over again. And so like Kaylee was saying, the reason rehearsals are difficult isn't because, you know, we're getting mad at each other for, oh, this wasn't right or this hurts. It's we can't rehearse some of these things at pitch that many times. And because we're instruments that rely so much on muscle memory and tuning in the moment, not being able to rehearse means it's, it's going to be under rehearsed.
2: And we already have such little because we're voices and can't rehearse that much. You know, like we can't rehearse for eight hours, um, even if we have eight hours free. So it makes it even harder right. to to sort of schedule that time and to make sure that we're you know being efficient with that time. Um, it makes it pretty pretty tricky.
0: That's so that's that's a, that a really cool. good way to I I would say for. I mean, not only for voice, but actually for for all instruments that you, like you said, Liz, you have hundred dollar notes and thousand dollar notes, and, and and not an unlimited bank. That's that's really great. I'm going to use that. That's that's fantastic. Because <laughs> because because I, I I in in teaching composition students, I get this kind of stuff all the time. Where I'm constantly like, no, this is too high. You're staying up there too long. You can't you can't just do that to them. They're they're people. They're 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 not a computer. <laughs> they're people well, too. And then
1: at the same time. I'll every <laughs> once in a while, I'll see a piece that does that. Like, you know, as much as it's amazing, I think Thomas Addis the tempest that Aria for Cynthia Seaton slash. Uh, who's the other one who sings it? Um, just ruined a bunch of composers for singing, for writing high notes. Cause they're like, Oh, well, Cynthia Seaton can stay above a high C for six minutes straight. And It's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing that she does that. And you know what? If Cindy Acedon is the one singing for you, you can write that and it's amazing. You just have to find the right person. And sometimes, or these p- pieces I've seen that are, again, amazing for, I think it was, was it Allison Balsetis at uh, Omaha Under the Radar Festival a couple weeks ago doing this really amazing piece. I think it was by a uh, Canadian composer, Colin Labadee, that's eight minutes straight of. Rotary or of circular breathing. Oh, I don't think she got a real whoa. breath for eight minutes. And there, it's it's this almost fetish in saxophone writing for really long periods of r- circular breathing. I say rotary breathing, which I think that's for swimming. But um, so it, but it's it's exciting. It, these extremes are exciting and they're amazing. And if it, I think a couple years ago there were a couple articles um by Alex Temple and others about the idea of consent. as it applies to a composer-performer relationship. And if you can find a performer who will consent to these really extreme physical sorts of pieces, very high for long periods of time, or very quiet for long periods of time, or circular breathing forever, by all means write them, but know that it cuts down the number of people who are able to execute it, or the people who will want to execute it.
2: And also just ask, just ask the performer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, even if it's in a residency situation, I mean, there's every residency we've ever been a part of, I have very, you know, from the beginning said, here's my email address. Please email with me with any questions. Please email this to the composers. I am available. Please send me, you know, questions, comments, anything. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that that's con- the issue of consent is obviously such an important one. and um, And especially in this instance, yeah, we we want to perform these things. We don't want to do a bad job, so making sure that it's sort of in line with our strengths and interests, you know, is is in the best best interest of everyone.
0: Great. So we're we're now going to listen to um, a track from your uh, your album that's out, which is called Realign the Time.
2: Yeah, Realign the Time.
0: Uh, I want to listen to Square Pushers by uh, Amanda. Is it is is it Amanda Fury?
2: Mm-hmm. Amanda Fury, yeah.
0: Can you ju- can amazing. you just brief briefly uh, inter- introduce this piece?
2: Yeah, this was one of the first pieces we ever got as an ensemble. We were still at BGSU. I think Amanda DeBoer Bartlett um, knows Amanda somehow. I can't remember, um, but she's at Princeton, and she wrote this piece, I believe, using little sort of written out modules of squares. So she would write out different melodies or rhythms or ideas on little squares of pieces of paper and then push them around to make this piece, which is why it's called Square Pushers.
0: Let's talk about the um the pieces of the composers in the adjective new music uh collective that you guys have worked with. So you've worked with Jamie Sampson, you've worked with Jennifer Jolly and you work with John Sokol, correct?
2: Heck yeah, yes. we have.
0: And the Love the Jennifer Jolly piece was actually pretty recent, right?
1: Yeah. Yes, we premiered that last December, I believe. Oh my gosh, that feels like so long
2: ago now. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I we actually tarot. <laughs> we actually featured that on on Jennifer's uh, Jennifer's podcast, and um, we we talked at great length about you know the story behind it, and you know the the, uh, the you know the whole Pussy Riot thing, and um, <laughs> that trial, <laughs> and all the all the politics that went behind it. So it was it was a very fascinating discussion, and the. I would say the movement that I enjoyed the most was, um, the, the was it art movement.
2: Uh, uh-huh. interesting.
1: Oh yeah.
2: that That's and good to hear. I, that wasn't necessarily written out. I don't know if Jen actually mentioned that. Um, but we sort of, the sort of canon like, uh, uttering of was it art and then doing it in Russian. I think that was Liz's idea actually to sort of overlap eventually and then start screaming it. I thought it was really powerful.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jen, she, she gave us, I really loved how Jen sort of provided us with a piece that, and with the spoken word sections of the piece in between movements of singing that allowed us to kind of make choices. A lot of times we have pieces that are very specific and have a lot of information in the score and you know, I love executing that, but at the same time, there's something beautiful about a score where it just says, you know, to be repeated 10 times. And I forget what it says. Otherwise on that page right now, I don't have the score in front of me, but how dare of, well, you, what are we going to do? <laughs> well, thanks. <Kayleigh. laughs> just so I don't have it now. either.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, But the, to, ha- being able to have this very simple. Okay. So we have, four sections of text. The, was it art? It was witchcraft. And then the same in Russian and they're trying to decide who was going to say this. And Kaylee really wanted one of the speeches by one of the members of Pussy Riot. It was her favorite. Um, and this one didn't have a specific person attached to it. And it was, I don't know. I'm glad you liked it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was, it was, you know, it was, it rem- and we talked about this, uh, I-, I talked about this with Jennifer, but it really reminded me of like a fixed media track, you know, like how you would take a bit of text and then use delay and overlapping and, you know, it, it just very, it really came together very well, but it was performed, you know, it was performed. So it was, it was very convincing.
2: Well, that's great to hear. We're, we're actually recording it soon for our third album. So, it's good to hear things like this so we can <laughs> incorporate that into our recording.
3: Yay.
0: I mean, that that piece in particular has some pretty graphic text in it.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. How wh-
0: what was I mean, what what was what was that like singing it? I mean, as as singers, you're so linked to text. So, what are what are you drawn to as as artists either you know e- either musically drawn to or 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 more specifically what are you drawn to with text i mean subjects or writers or styles like anything like that
1: well a couple i think a season or two ago we started this sort of campaign of storytelling we all became singers i mean uh amanda and i both started life as instrumentalists and singers and you know, among other things, there are many things that you don't have as an instrumentalist that you get as a singer. Main among them is text with your music. And we get we get to tell stories, we get to bring beautiful texts to life, important text. And I think what I enjoy, and I know I, I think I'm speaking for the other ladies in the ensemble, is having text that seems meaningful and something that resounds with me in what in what I get to present to others. And the, the Pussy Riot text, it, I mean, Kendall A did such an amazing job setting their words and Jen bringing them to life in the, this poetic form. And it's not sensationalistic. It's, this is what they're saying. And there's no other way to express the sort of frustration with an oppressive regime than saying, fuck the informers. Fuck the... In- the in, in I yeah, enslavers yeah enslavers yeah and that's actually like, that's
0: why i thought it w- that piece works so well because it's you're you're just com- you're disarmed by the whole the i mean the gra- the graphic language and also the graphic mm-hmm. description of you know like rape and and stuff like that but it's set right. against this you know very sweet sounding madrigal-esque uh uh music Oh, so, totally! We
2: talked about that so much while we were rehearsing this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this is and cognitive
1: that's cognitive dissonance. Of yeah. this is really pretty.
3: <laughs> exactly. But we're exactly. Saying horrible things. things right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Putin. Uh, I mean, Putin will teach you how to love, and 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 that line, and you will like it. Oh God, it's so. Yeah. It, that's one it, of my
2: favorite movements. Honestly, it's it's heart wrenching. It's so intense, and it's intense to sing it and oh my gosh, when we were performing it the first time, there were so many times when I was like on the verge of tears, like really thinking about the text. And yeah, I can't wait to record it. I think more people need to hear this piece. Not just us singing it, but just hear the piece (laughs) that came out (laughs) wrong. So,
1: So, I mean, Jen probably mentioned it in her podcast, but the University of Toledo Women's Chorus performed most of it last year. Yeah, exactly. Without without, uh, a cursing. As part of a festival. Most of it. Yeah. Which is great. And, you know... Uh, I kind of wonder where we'll get to perform it live next. Hopefully soon,
2: somewhere, maybe yes. in New York. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that piece is really important to us. We were really excited to be recording it soon. We're a little nervous about, um, uh, not nervous. That's the wrong word. So kind of excited, honestly, to be able to have like a parental advisory sticker, on a new music album, no, we just we think that's, that's pretty like, cool. Wait, are those know, still hilarious? a thing? It better be. Did if it's not, exist? we're still Tip gonna have gore one.
1: Tipper is not a thing.
2: <laughs> Someone write that down. That's a big cool. Nice. Tipper <laughs> is not a thing. Tipper yes. she, not a thing.
0: She's not a thing anymore. <laughs> she's
2: not a thing. Um, but I, I just yeah, but that would
0: that would be pretty badass for you guys if you if you got a parental <laughs> advisory warning, in you know, right
2: for a classical music album. That's exactly. so funny to me. I love it so much. We should have more of that. <laughs> right? Can the b-
1: sticker be right over your middle finger
2: in that one picture? Oh, my God. As, like, the censor? That's amazing. Yes. This is also not just a <laughs> podcast recording. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: The name of the album Done. should just be Parental Advisory.
1: <laughs> uh, that's <yes. laughs> brainstorming, think tank. <laughs> <laughs> We're not paying you for this idea,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, that's... But But no, it is no, no, It's such...
2: Fine. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Kidding aside, this is a really important piece that talks about things that are not just happening in Russia, but happening right here in the old US of A and doesn't seem to be going away. This, this, um, These ideas of oppression and censorship um, and hooliganism, which is the, quote unquote, what they were actually, the Pussy Riot members were arrested for and jailed for. Um, and so for Jen to have written this piece for us. I mean, we had no idea what to expect from her and then got this piece with all of these curse words in it. And I was like, oh God, I don't know, what about... And then it was the best. I mean, we just love this piece. We want to perform it more. Um, we're going to record it and just make this the centerpiece of the album. I mean, we're really excited. It's such an important work.
0: At this point, let's probably do the... Is it Max Graff? Yes. yes max graff three oh, madrigals max. bantams liz. in pine wood
2: yeah you're up liz
0: go ahead liz what inter- am i up for inter- intro oh, the piece. yeah
1: <laughs> all right next we're going to be listening to three madrigals on poems by wallace stevens by max graff a dear friend and colleague who was my beautiful baby brother's roommate in college once upon a time and is now a super excellent composer residing in New York. We love him very much.
0: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Chieftain, if you can, a vast cannon, captain of ten with tenor hackles, halt, 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 ha 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 ha, cha 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 cha, universal cock, Jas as if the stars blacked more to pay your blazing tips, fat, 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 follow. That be, be, be gone, be gone, be gone, be gone An inchling bristles in these pines, bristles And points a revelation and point And fears not portly as can
2: That was one of our first commissions, too, actually, the Max Graff That was piece. one of our
1: very early commissions. I I put out a call on Facebook, I think back in, like, 2011, maybe, saying, Hey, does anyone want to write for my vocal quartet? <laughs> and uh, actually, it was Max Graff and John Sokol got back to me. Yeah. <laughs> Max and John are the ones who got back to me and said, Yeah, sure, I'll write you something. And... A year later, I think 2012, we got these two pieces in our inbox that were both just beautiful. John's with this amazing score that is in color for the Just Intonation portions. And Max's that's just this insanely great example of a modern madrigal. With Wallace Stevens text. Yes, it's beautiful Wallace Stevens text. And I think he recently reset some of it for SATB, which I'm so excited to hear. Yeah. But ours is the original. But ours is the original so. and it's
0: like so much better anyway, I'm sorry.
1: Accurate.
2: Well you're not you're not wrong, Rob. You're not wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kidding. Bad.
0: When did when did that John Sokol piece come about? Was that was that before the the new music festival in twenty twelve at BG or after it?
1: Um, I think it was before, because I think we might have performed it for the first time in 2012. We did,
0: at okay, the New so, York thing,
2: but we did cuts of it, because it was so hard. Right.
0: <laughs> did you, did you meet, did you meet John the year before, then?
1: I knew John from Indiana University, which is also oh, how I know Max.
0: okay, alright.
1: I did a couple of his comp recitals back in the day.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. that's, because that's when... That's when I met you, right? Was that 2012 new music?
1: Yeah, Johnson. 20. Who was there that year?
0: That was John Luther Adams.
1: They... Oh, okay, yeah. Jayla, um, <laughs> really? Oh my god! I hope that
0: sticks. Went there, j
1: Lou. Um, yeah, I th- yeah. That was 2012. Awesome. You're a BG Who's... grad too, aren't you?
0: I am. Yeah, I did my undergrad Aww. there.
1: If I knew any of the words to the Bowling Green Alma Mater, I would sing them, but oh, I don't. Oh, thank God you don't.
2: Ugh. Who Who, who <laughs> knows, knows Alma Mater? So weird. Nope. I
1: know I know my undergraduates because I had to sing it as a member of the marching band every week at the football game. <laughs> I'll I'll take your word but for it. <laughs> I won't sing it now.
0: <laughs> so, uh let's let's just continue. Um Sorry. No, 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 no! That this is all good. It's staying in.
2: Okay, yeah. great.
0: <laughs> so uh, let's talk about your adjective fierce. How does that come into play in your performances or with the rep you choose or your commissioning decisions? Or is it, or is it just you guys exude fierce?
2: Well, you know, as so when we were talking about the adjectives to describe this group, I thought it was it was really hard for me to think of adjectives that also described myself. I felt like I was being like vain in some way or narcissistic or something. So I really went for trying to think about how I feel about my Quince colleagues. And when I think about Liz and Amanda and Carrie, I just think fierce. That's like the first adjectives that, you know, adjective that comes to my mind. They they all are such amazing musicians. And I feel like individually personally i learned so much from them um about being a musician and about making artistic choices and you know acting professionally in a in a professional setting you know sometimes that's you did really not hard learn that from me yes i did liz <laughs> yes i did um, yeah and i she think she learned her side eye from me i definitely learned that from you absolutely uh, your glare um yes yeah. So there's I a think, uh,
0: j- j- just to interrupt you for a second the please. the Liz the Liz Pierce glare there which <laughs> um there there's like a YouTube still of uh I I think it was posted on Facebook the other day but like oh it's Molly
1: are, Heron's piece yeah <laughs> you
0: are <laughs> something so, something fierce is going on in that photo anyway continue
1: well I yeah no I was conducting that piece she was very focused. Got it. I just have a really terrible resting bitch face. That's all. <laughs> and that's okay. Um,
2: so Molly Heron's piece was actually interesting and is a perfect example of de- like Liz demonstrating her fierceness because this piece was amazing. It was a world premiere for the Sonic festival in New York last October. And this was a brand new piece that we had just seen. It was with this amazing new machine that, uh, an inventor musician artist in New York, Andy Cavertada, um, Invented Cavatorta, Cava thank you. Invented, and it was like this whirling dervishes thing that that you know went around like a fan almost at different sort of tempos and intervals and created pitches with three viols, right? And three singers. And Molly was playing the Dervishes. A MIDI keyboard. A yeah. MIDI keyboard that was controlling the dervishes. And obviously there's so much tech that can go wrong. And there were so many different entrances and things to think about, um, even cutoffs and, you know, starting the onsets of pitches and the <laughs> the stopping of phrases was really just tough because it all had to be in line with this dervishes thing, which was oftentimes hard to anticipate. And Liz, like a music multitasking champion, came in and like conducted everybody and made sure everyone was together. I mean, there was no way with everything that was going on that I felt like completely capable of doing that. And that's a perfect example of Liz's fierceness. Like she's just an amazing oh. musician. The, my other colleagues are as well. Um, we're all interested in such different things as far as music goes, you know, whether it's within this ensemble or in our solo careers or in other sort of projects that we're involved in. Um, and no one ever apologizes for that. You know, Amanda will go on every road trip and gosh darn it! If we don't have country music playing in the car, she's gonna freak out. And she loves country music. And Liz loves techno. <laughs> and and I love yeah. you know Kelly Clarkson. What sometimes. do you love? Kelly? I love Wicked. Oh okay. Gosh darn it! I want to go on a road trip and sing my heart out with Wicked soundtrack and Disney songs. You know, so with JJ. With JJ, yeah. With which is Liz's brother. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. So I know JJ. Oh, great. ok. So I think fierceness just comes from, you know, the fearlessness of of not hiding behind or or, you know, saying something is a guilty pleasure. you know, if if something is really tonal and sort of quote unquote conservative, who cares? i I love that. you know, we all love that. And we also love listening to some Ho every once in a while. Like there's no guilty pleasure. It's all amazing. And we're not going there's to apologize no guilt. for it. Yeah, there's no guilt. Why be guilty? <laughs> if you like it, why should you feel guilty about it? Um, so I feel that like that comes in not just like artistic. It, it doesn't come with just musical taste. It's artistic choices. Like these, these women are people I respect. I wouldn't be here otherwise um, and admire. And so the fierceness comes with this. Yeah, just I I want to say ballsy, but I hate using that word because it implies <laughs> that balls are strong yes, and there's the hard. word you you're loved. correct. Uh, the use your word, word I like the word I'm trying to start instead of baller is vulver. No, I don't think it's going to catch on, but I think it's vulver. <laughs> I'm going for it. What
0: it what is it? Say it again?
2: Vulver, you know like a vulva of a vagina. I'm saying yeah, vagina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, there's yeah. that, there's that awesome Betty White quote, you know, about like, uh, you know, when people are fearless or whatever, they, they always say, oh, he has balls, but you know, like any, any little slight touch and you know, that, that guy is going to double over, you know,
2: exactly. <laughs> not a vulva, not a vulva, my friends,
0: but the vagina, you know, you should say they have that. Cause that can take a pounding.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That is Betty White is my uh, that is only. A Betty White cr- thank you. <laughs> only if thank the woman you, wants a pounding. There's consent,
1: right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> of course, consent. But of this course, is not me. This is Betty White. Yeah,
1: it's Betty White. It can also birth a child.
0: Truth. <laughs> yeah. Very, Did that, very. Let's how bring truth. the child under the right.
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: Um. Let's talk about what do you what do you have upcoming?
1: Well, a few of us will be heading to South Bend with members of Third Coast Percussion and Eighth Blackbird to perform Steve Reich's Music for 18 Musicians at Notre Dame. Uh, that's our I think that's our first gig up uh, in September. Yeah, and then uh, this, then we'll be performing at the is it the inaugural Ear Taxi Festival in yeah. Chicago?
2: Oh yeah, Augusta Reed Thomas. Totally organized this amazing Chicago festival. It's the first year, um, Reba Caffarelli is sort of managing everything. It's going to be a huge deal. There's over 350 musicians, a part of it, over 50 world Oof. premieres. Oh my gosh. It's going to be fantastic. That's in, we'll be uh, that's in October a work by Joe Clark. Yeah, that's in October. And then we, after that in November, we're going to do a show, um, of just electronic works with voices Um, at Constellation in Chicago um, with Peter Margasak, who runs the sort of new music series there, Frequency, Frequency series at Constellation. And then right after that, we're going to do a residency at Connecticut College, which I think is just right outside of Hartford. And we're going to do, we're going to focus also on electronic pieces. It's kind of a tech college. So we're going to have a lot of gear at our disposal to do crazy things. Excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna record the um Jen Jolly album soon too, which is super exciting. And that's just a little taste of what's on the agenda. We have a big tour planned for the
1: spring, but more on that we're later. We're going to Ohio, y'all. Woohoo!
2: Oh uh,
0: yeah.
1: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> more of the Midwest, my Ohio. favorite. Bring it on. Oh Ohio. You red state you. Aww. Or is it a red state? Is it a swing state? Uh, it's,
2: no, it's it's a it's red a state. state. Come on.
1: Okay. I always live in the weird little blue dots in red states. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah. Me-
0: yeah. Actually, Liz. So do I. Like. <laughs> Toledo. I mean, I was. I was. Fr- I'm from Toledo, and uh, oh, that is that okay. has had a Democratic mayor for ugh, God only knows how long. Um, and then I was in Houston, which is other than Austin, is probably the most uh liberal place in Texas. I mean we we had a lesbian ah. mayor for, you know, six years or something. What? Yeah. Yeah, Lee Parker. Volver man. Awesome.
2: Vulver.
1: Yeah.
0: Vol <laughs> It's gonna, catch, it's gonna on. catch on. It's gonna catch on. It's gonna catch on. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. So, um <laughs> I think we've I think we've just about covered it, but I wanna I wanna uh first of all I wanna plug all your all the places that people can find you online. So you guys are on you're on Facebook. It's uh Quince Contemp uh I'm gonna screw up the name. Uh Quince Contemporary, Contemporary Vocal, Vocal, Ensemble. Ensemble. Vocal
2: Ensemble Let's say it's a So
0: you're on Facebook are you on Twitter?
2: <laughs> yeah Quince Ensemble. That's all right. Our, that's and our, uh, then yeah,
0: Your website your website is
2: ww. Quince- Ensemble.com.
1: Quince. You go you go, Liz. Oh. <laughs> Quince-ensemble.com. <laughs> we tried <And>. really hard. <laughs> we really did.
0: We also have a Quinstagrams account. Oh, you have a Quinstagram account. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's right. Quinstagrams.
2: Quinstagrams.
1: Liz I need to
0: actually that. post something.
1: Yeah, which means it has no photos on it yet. It has a I couple photos. Terrible.
2: It does. It has a couple <gasps> from Avalok. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. There's stuff on there, man.
0: The last piece we're going to listen to, and this is going to take us out, is going to be Hushers by Warren Enstrom.
2: Warren Enstrom is, we did a residency, I guess I should start there, at uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee uh, as part of the Unruly Festival, which Chris Burns, I believe, is the one that that organizes that, right, Liz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Oh, well, um, he did. Or he, did. He, he's at he's Ann, Arbor Ann Arbor now. Arbor now. We worked with him. He was one of the student composers at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and wrote this amazing piece for us, and we fell in love with it. You know, one thing that we didn't necessarily get a chance to talk too much about is is how um, sort of lacking uh, the repertoire for female vocal quartet is as far as rhythms and fast music you know we get a lot of slow ballad like ghostly things with phonemes sometimes even um and it's really hard to find sort of up-tempo um what is it like encore type pieces and we really I yeah mean, it's, once you listen to this piece you're not going to think of it as an encore necessarily but it, it sort of is for us it's fast it's interesting there are different textures happening um he was taking a Russian class at the time so all of the sh-sh sound hy h hy h- h- sounds are Russian sort of sibil sibilant sounds or fricatives mm-hmm. what are they called sibilants or yeah both great we'll go I with that I think they're sibilants yeah. sibilants yeah um and then it sort of morphs into this microtonal you know cluster of chords that we just you know, loved, and it was sort of rep- reminiscent of Shelsey in some really interesting, cool ways. Um, so this piece is is from that residency. We were so lucky.
0: Awesome. Well, it, it's gonna it's gonna work as an encore in this podcast. So, Woo-hoo. <laughs> doing it. And we should and we should also mention that your uh, again mentioned that your album um, Realign the Time is available through iTunes.
2: It is, and on Amazon and CD what? Baby, and through our and website, where... you can get a physical CD through our website too, and a an, oh, uh, vinyl right. and a vinyl album if you are so inclined.
0: You can get vinyl. Oh my heck God. heck yeah, you yeah. can.
2: Absolutely, just check it out. God,
0: I really, <laughs> I really hope that parental advisory warnings are still a thing for your next for for that album because we'll just oh, we can make we'll it a just, thing. Yeah, it's we'll mean, just
2: make it a thing. We'll put it on just the just put album it
3: cover.
0: in. Yeah, put it in the cover art. So yeah, you, and yeah. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much for talking with us. And now we're gonna listen to Warren Enstrom's Hushers.
2: Okay. We didn't get a chance to thank you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. This was awesome. Thank you,
1: Rob.
0: Are you still recording?
2: I'm still yes. recording.
0: Then then you just thanked me. Okay, so.
2: great. Yay. Did it. Checking it off the list.
1: Shh. <laughs>